0: Good evening patriots and it's Friday, July 29th on the West Coast and you have now entered the twilight zone into Saturday on the East Coast and around the world. We're going to talk a little bit tonight about righteousness and righteous anger and righteous fire. And I want to kind of expand upon the discussion that was in the last show which was with Dr. Kerry Miday, And and something that I threw into the mix, which probably caused a little bit of confusion, that I'm going to kind of clarify a little bit tonight, and how I see this based on kind of a path of a warrior that I think always needs to be humble and compassionate, no matter how ferocious you can be. Patriots, one thing that is absolutely critical right now is taking care of your health on many levels and One of the most important things you can do is sleep. And when you take care of your sleep, you've got to have good, comfortable things to sleep in and on. Sheets, mattresses, pillows. Those three things make for a great sleep system. And MyPillow.com offers the best pillows, sheets, and mattresses on the market. And it's all from a company that's led by a CEO with Christ in his heart. They have great specials on those right now. In fact, they have 50% off on mattresses. They have a summer sheet, which is a parkal sheet, which is a 250-count thread stitch, which I've just put some on the bed, and it's hot here right now in Oregon. We're running about 100-degree days. Fantastic sheets for the summertime. They also have the Giza cotton sheets, which are unparalleled in their comfort, and, of course, the MyPillow Classic. And then if you want to add a little bit of extra layer, you can get their comforters, which are fantastic. All of these things are on sale or with a discount with your promo code of Bards, B-A-R-D-S. The quality is exceptional. The comfort is exceptional. And you can find them all at MyPillow.com, or you can go to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, which is the Bards landing page. And again, your promo code is Bards, B-A-R-D-S. And if you want to speak to a real live person, you can call 800-975-2939, 800-975-2939, and you will speak to a Patriot Pillow Counselor. And they're on standby. They're waiting for you. They're ready. They're like, hey, what do you need? And all you have to do is say, I'm coming from Bard's FM. I've got my Bard's code. I'm ready. And they'll get you totally hooked up. So check it out mypillow.com forward slash Bard's promo code Bard's. So there's a few things I just want to touch on. That we kind of we begin with, and it's the framework of this concept of righteousness. And I think it's, I mean, there's a lot of variations in depth in this, and and there's um, one of the problems we have when we start dealing with the term like righteous anger or righteous fires is that in the faith in which we're taught in the 21st century, we're never supposed to be angry, though that doesn't scripturally hold up, and we're never supposed to cause any wakes. We're always supposed to have peace at any cost. There is a real martial side to our faith which has been long lost. And in fact, arguably it 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 was in the pulpit that started this nation. They understood the need to have a fiery life and an understanding of that there was a right and a wrong. And while we had compassion, and that was that's a predominant emotion you had to know how to draw a line. So in the last show I made a comment something to the effect of this. When Dr. Miday, Dr. Carrie Miday, said that she has really the righteous fire and I made the comment that you know righteous righteous fires are really amazing because it on one level it inspires your deep compassion and care for people and on the other hand it, it raises up your ferocity. And I can tell by some of the comments in chat that that was kind of like, what did he just say? Well, I want to expand on that a little bit because I think it's a good topic. There's this idea that a warrior or someone in the fight is supposed to be like ferocious and ruthless. And it's, if we're going to, if we take a look at something that's in Chinese culture, which is called the yin and the yang, which is a balance of things, female, male, hot, and cold. You can't be all one and the other. And in fact, there is a, if you look at the yin and the yang, cause there's a, a line through the middle of it, there is a balance that goes with that. As you get close to being all hot, you always have some measure that's always cool. And when you get completely cool, there's always a portion that's still a little bit hot and it's really the ebb and the flow through life. But from a walk of a warrior it's a very principle, a very critical principle to grasp, and I believe it's completely in alignment with faith and righteousness. And what that is is that when we get into these places, we have a tendency of getting very angry at something or we then swing to the other side because in our current world, there isn't gradations. There's just black and white, one and zero. So you're either really angry or you're really passive or you're really intense or you're really passive and that's not really the the walk I I will tell you that I've had the privilege in my life of operating with some amazing warriors in real life situations and the one thing I can say that we all had in common is that there was a very levelness to the events each one had specialties we've had the opportunity to work off of each other's skill sets and specialties What we had was a very level approach to things. And the other thing is, I mean, there is an intensity in conflict, but the intensity can't get ahead of you. You can't have your emotions race ahead. And you can't have your anger percolate up. You have to keep a very level head, even in the most extreme situations. And you also have to maintain a compassion, and you can't lose it. I have seen both sides. I've seen the emotions of when people kind of lose their mind and they go crazy. And then all of a sudden they're just shooting rounds downrange and they're just doing stuff. It's stupid. And then you have the other side where I've seen people completely lose compassion and lose perspective and like maul an old man nearly just beat the hell out of him because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time and couldn't speak English. Those are the Extremes. And the hardest walk in all of this is to keep in that level center path. But to do that, you will have deep compassion. And this is what I was I'm leading to with with my comment when I said this in the previous show. Is that I you'll find that the most ferocious of warriors will have the some of the most beautiful hearts. You do not want to cross them if they're on a rage of of operational destruction. And I can relate to that but you also will not find a kinder person or human being and they know, and they can switch in and out of those roles. One of the things that's difficult for a lot of people to appreciate is how those roles, when you're disciplined as a warrior, you can migrate between the two because it's not one or the other. It's a gradation. And that sort of compassion comes out in a story by, by a, man by the name of Staff Sergeant Fuga. Now, Staff Sergeant Fuga was in Operation Mountain Thrust when I was there. And he was a, a ferocious fighter, big Samoan man, ferocious fighter. But man, did he care for the Afghan National Army soldiers that were underneath him. And he would lead them. He would, he would, he would guide them, sometimes herd them. But always making sure, and it was like watching a big man with children, because a lot of the Afghan soldiers are not well trained, were not well trained. And he would, but he would, he was like their big dad walking them in. Now, this story ends sadly because Sergeant Fuga had a, a daughter, and he had been over and he was trying to set money aside for her so she would be able to have a paid for house. Which was their house, and he was going to become hers. And he was had done two tours back to back. You always have to be careful when you run to the sound of the guns. I'm telling you, because it's something that'll pay. You ultimately have to pay the toll. And so he enlisted for one more tour. You're supposed to go home, and they did. They said, "Well, you're not supposed to do that," and he he insisted, and they gave him a waiver. So during. Another operation down in the south, which is known as Operation Medusa, they were under some very heavy fire from the Taliban, and as he was engaging that ferociously, he noticed that two of his soldiers, as they were pulling back, were so scared that they had bunkered down. These were two Afghan soldiers. And all he had on his focus was to go and get them. And he did. And he rounded them up. And he just kind of raised them up like a good father would do. And he pushed his his soldiers underneath him to run forward. And he got them to get unfrozen from fear and to charge forward. And as they were running back to the other troops, one of the Afghan rounds managed to penetrate between the space between his helmet and and the upper part of his body armor, and pierced his back of his neck, and killed him. But see, this is a man that didn't die with rage or anger. He fought ferociously, but he didn't have anger in his heart, and his compassion was immense. And that's just, that's just why I was saying, when you really grasp righteous fire, and I and this is something I argue a lot, is that there's a lot of Chest thumping ego nonsense that goes around in our culture because people define themselves as warriors based on the models of what they see in either Hollywood films or the one side that they learn from a lot of some, some of these special ops guys. And, and look, there are some amazing special operators that teach amazing skills around this country. I'm not dissing any of them. But what most people fail to see is that they're seeing a snapshot of these guys not the whole picture. They're not seeing the because that's what they're, they're not there to teach you to be a compassionate warrior. They're there to teach you the skills to be a lethal killer. And that, that is a, that's kind of half of the picture. But the other half of the picture is their compassion that they had with their teammates when they were on the teams or their compassion they had for other soldiers or the youth that they try to save. There's an amazing special Forces officer his name is Rusty Bradley at the time this incident happened I can't remember whether he was a major or whether he was a captain he I believe he was a captain again same battle Operation Medusa southern Afghanistan now to understand what had happened in operation Medusa at that point in time the Canadians and the Brits were effectively in control of what they called RC, Regional Command Zone South, which was Kandahar and Helmand provinces and Uruzagan, so some of the worst provinces in the entire nation of Afghanistan where so much of the Pakistani intelligence and Pakistani-trained Afghan uh, Taliban were fighting. And what had happened is that the Canadians had gone out under a new leadership. Their previous commander, who had been there, was... Lieutenant Colonel Ian Hope, an amazing commander, amazing. I had an opportunity to work with him. And they were replaced by a regimental commander from Quebec, who the difference between these two is very important because Lieutenant Colonel Hope had a philosophy that his soldiers knew best what to do. He just needed to give them directions and trust in them. The regimental commander from Quebec had the philosophy that he needed to tell every thing every soldier how to operate at every level, so it was a top-down versus a bottom-up model. And what ensued in a matter of about ten days is the Canadians lost about sixty percent of their operational capability in Panjway. They had they had their vehicles destroyed, they had soldiers wounded, they had one of their uh, air tra- air coordinators who does what they, we call a JTAC, who was calling an ordinance, called in the wrong ordinance, the, he gave the wrong ground visual point, and it ended up friendly fire, and it injured a lot of them. But it was a Canadian air, unfortunately. And so they had been reduced to ineffective, and I, I was actually up in Jalalabad, and I got a, a priority message From the south, they said, we need you down here. We think we're going to lose the south. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be an exciting trip. And so they had called in from all over the south. They called in 10th Mountain. The 10th Mountain group that was there had been operating now for three months in the field. They had just rolled in to do a refit and a stand down for about two to three weeks to give the guys some rest. And as they drove in to start that stand down, they got new operational orders and they literally had less than 48 hours to re-equip, refit, fix their stuff and get back out in the field. Joining them was 7th Group Special Forces and effectively the Americans stepped in and said, there's no possible way we're going to lose the South. And there's something called rules of engagement, which is the rules that you have in order to engage the enemy to keep war, I guess, humane or some stupid stuff like that, because war is war. Basically, what it was is to make NATO feel good because the liberals up in Europe couldn't stomach the idea of actually going to war, so they kind of sold the whole idea on these ROEs. So as these guys rolled out, the rules of engagement were lifted meaning they had right to fight any way necessary to win. And let me tell you something. Few people has, have ever witnessed what happens when the rules are taken off and the handcuffs are taken off of American forces because there is no, in my opinion, there's no more ferocious fighters in the world than when Americans are given their right and told to accomplish the mission and do whatever is necessary to win. In the process of this fight, there was a captain, I believe it was captain. He wrote the book Lions of Kandahar. If you ever want to read this story, it's he, I don't know if he tells this specific part, but uh, Major Rusty Bradley of Special Forces is an amazing war hero. So he, they pulled off the ROEs. And so in this fight, they were fighting some Taliban that had embedded themselves into what we would call a Kalat, which is basically a house with a wall around it. And they had pulled back and they were pursuing them to destroy them because they were causing obviously damage to American soldiers and they were terrorizing the local village. And so they called in for an airstrike, which was the request was a 500 pound ordnance bomb to be dropped on a specific target. And the, aircraft overhead, which is referred to as a fast mover, didn't have a five hundred pound on on its load loadout. Instead they had only a two thousand pound. That's four times the explosive, probably more than that, but four times the explosive weight of the five hundred pounder. And the Americans Americans uh the JTACs, which are the the Air Force's air traffic controllers on the ground and call-in airstrikes are extremely well-trained. They, they know exactly what they ask for, and they're very specific. Well, this fast mover dropped a 2,000-pounder on a, on a collat, which was way more explosive power than was needed and in the process caused collateral damage that ended up killing a number of women and some children. This created quite a rift in the South. Now this is the point I'm getting at here is the nature of the warrior. So follow the story well in listen and listening to the heart of the warrior. Major Rusty Bradley has the absolute ferocity of the lion in in, in the war of, on the heart of a warrior. But he also has that incredible compassion of a of a warrior. Major Rusty Bradley sat with the elders after this incident happened. And it was a stunning meeting because as he sat with these elders, he took responsibility for the air in ordinance that was dropped. As he talked about the loss of children, he welled up in tears. See, the arrogant warrior thinks that's weak. The real warrior understands the truth of the heart. And as he talked to the elders and he shed tears, everyone there shed tears, and forgiveness was given, and compensations were made to get the buildings rebuilt, and the village became a stronghold for America as a result. This is what I call and what I refer to when I talk about righteous fire. I don't have a lot of tolerance in my life for egos. Matter of fact, I can't stand egos. I don't like chest thumping. I don't like threatening people. Because if you're going to do that, then do it. Don't don't talk. That's a, typically people that, and you'll see it online. You'll see guys online that'll do it. And they'll do it and they'll they'll try to be tough. And they're doing it to try to show they're tough. They're usually pretty weak. And even in an information war, we don't show that sort of arrogance in things and should not. Because if you're going to do something, then do it. It's pretty simple. Otherwise, shut up and take a seat. And there's no reason to approach even an enemy that way because as we are reminded in Scripture, Proverbs 25, 21 to 22, if your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink, for you will heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. There is a reminder of a ferocity of warriorship in Joshua five thirteen to 15, before he arrives in Jericho with his army. And so it reads, now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho, and he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? He said, no, rather I indeed came now as captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, what is my Lord to say to his servant? The captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, remove your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. I love this passage because there's so much grit in this warrior exchange. Joshua is a powerful warrior. He's led his men, and he will continue to lead his men boldly. Joshua never loses touch with the humanity side, the compassionate side. We, learn, we see later when they're crossing the River Jordan, and Joshua's asking them to pick up a memorial stone. And that's so significant because he's trying to give an anchor point to his soldiers to remember that, that moment with God, to give them a touch of God like he had. Because he knows where they're, he has a pretty good idea what they're heading into. To sack a city and the brutality that is to come, he's trying to keep a humanity and a, and a connection to God, to each one of his soldiers. In this case, Joshua's bold. He stands up to this, quote, man and demands to ask him, are you for them, are you for us or our adversaries? And he gets what he doesn't expect. No, because this captain of, of the host of the Lord isn't there to take sides. He's there to represent the Lord, and that's it. And then when he and then as Joshua falls in humiliation or in humbleness, not humiliation, but humbleness before the captain of the Lord's army. He isn't that that one that stands before him, the captain of the Lord's army, isn't giving him ease. He's not letting him off the hook. Joshua says, What do you ask of me? And it's just blunt. Remove your sandals from your feet for the place where you're standing is holy. He doesn't give him any pat on the back. It'll be okay, Joshua. It's direct. This is the world that we don't have much of in these days. Everybody's tiptoeing around trying not to offend somebody. We we lack that sort of solidness in who we are, a clear purpose in how we walk. And see, that's what defines one of the differences in the culture of war versus the culture of Of people in civilian life. We're always trying to worry about if our reputation is going to be affected, if it's going to affect our job, our business, if we're going to get reprimanded because of something we put on social media, so we have to be careful because I don't want to be called into HR. I don't want to be suspended from social media and have my, my fingers smacked with a ruler because I said something I shouldn't have said. There's always a professional way to say things, but there is a ferocity and I should say it this way, a strength, which is the righteousness in the warrior that should cut through all of it. But equally, there is a compassionate side, like I say, and that's that part of the warrior that's able to feed his enemy, provide them water when they're needed. You see that in war in amazing ways as i say many times about war you see it, the best and the worst of humanity all in one go and you do see it you'll see the you see the ferocity of war when somebody gets blown up or gets shot but you also see this deep compassion and and i'm just like with soldiers there's an unbelievable compassion to try to help or at least be kind to those that are innocent. You seldom, the, the the betrayal of soldiers like being out of control and doing some melee, burning down a whole village, which isn't the real story anyway. That's what the media tries to portray because they try to portray soldiers as being warmongering animals. It's written by people that couldn't fight their way out of a wet paper bag and would probably be on the floor groveling for praying to do anything they can including selling out their mother if they had to to save their own life. they're weak and they're spineless. But the real compassion of a warrior is one that takes time as you see a lot like they discover as they're on a patrol that a village is without winter clothing so they reach back and they to home and pretty soon you find these, volumes of boxes coming in with winter clothing that people have given from this nation to help others they don't even know. And then it's the soldiers going into the village and taking time to find the the coats that fit the children and making sure the elders have clothes. This is real. And this is with a culture that's completely foreign to us. And it's not because they were told to do it. It's because their heart pulled them to do it. That's the same warrior that when the Taliban fire at or whoever the enemy is fires at, they will give their life to protect their brother and they will think nothing of it. And they will fight with the ferocity of a lion and they will destroy everything in their path ruthlessly or die trying. And that to me is the balance of righteous fire. Because if ever we have one or the other, we, we become either weak or hot, meaning angry and out of control. And I don't believe that God ever intended for us to be that way. But in our world that we're in now, so much of how we are walking is a this duality. It's always hot, cold, one extreme to the other extreme. We're seeing it now. That's why I hate politics in general. We talk about it, but you don't I'm not going to rally the flag of one party over the other. There is a better party to vote for at this point in time, but I'm sure as heck not going to stand behind them and say you're all great because running one party flag over the other is just part of the same pendulum swing of extremism. That true path of the warrior, which to me is the the walk that Christ took, is that walk down the center line. And that's the hardest walk to do. In the story where we have Christ between the accusers and the adulteress, and it's interesting to hear people tell this story for me because many times there's the reference of the story that Christ is drawing something on the ground. And it's kind of like the squirrel moment for me. Like I, you're talking to somebody and something happens and they're, like they're totally off topic and you're like squirrel. And so the two, I can't tell you how many times the story is people have related the story to me. And it's like, I wonder what Christ was writing in the sand. And it's like, that has like nothing to do with the cross to T in China. I'm telling you right now. It has. A, it's a. It's a notation made in the story, and all of a sudden, it's like it must mean something very important. Well, maybe it means this. Maybe it means that Christ was listening, and as he was listening, he was just meditatively drawing in the sand. Now I'm sure somebody's going to come up with some reference and say, "No, no, that's not what he was doing. He was writing some special words, whatever." That's not the way I read it because I've been in that place. And it's, a, it's almost a meditative process as he's listening closely to both sides, the accusers of the, and the adulteress. And what's amazing about this middle line is he doesn't take sides and he doesn't condemn either. But he speaks the truth to each and he disarms them in the process and he walks the center line and stays out of their petty feud. See, a great warrior understands that line. There's a lot of good soldiers and they do good soldiering. But those that have worked on, and I'm, I'm in no way trying to pedestalize people, but it's important to understand that good soldiering comes from following orders that typically are good. And then there's some good thinking that follows with that that keeps them alive and ends up in good actions. But when you strip away that framework of Obedience, and you're put into play to say, go do this and don't get caught, and don't get killed, and don't get captured. That's a type of operational environment where the consequences are viscerally real. And as a result, you operate very differently. Your senses are alert and alive. And you're not out to go do just like lethal action or kick in doors or do whatever, keeping in mind that when those things happen and those those sorts of things they love to feature on Hollywood films because they're action-driven or they're featured in EA films or, or EA games, they're so, or Bungie or whoever you follow. Those sorts of intensities is just a portion of the real fight. And when they do that, there's what we call a full package that goes in with them. It's not just a stack of guys that are going to kick in a door and and shoot some guy in the face and then do the kill capture, drag him out, throw him in the vehicle and run away. It has a full complement, operational complement with that. So what does that mean? It's like you've got drones in the sky, which are giving you ISR, which is visual intelligence and, and other it's signal intelligence. You probably have some... Apaches or Blackhawk or little birds that are hanging out on the side waiting to come in and support them if need be with heavy fire support. You probably have a, a artillery single gun or maybe some mortar teams in the back waiting to give you support fire. There's a lot of other elements in this that are ready to support that lead team that's going to do this action. So it becomes an entirely focused intent lethal kill capture mission. There's no room at this point. In those types of mission, there is no compassion. It is get the target at any cost and come home. And that's how the warrior is portrayed and and stereotyped in our world. So then when people go and they get training from some of these extremely professional folks, and I have the highest regard for them, they get that they've already been conditioned with Hollywood, and they see that side of the mission because they're trained with it. And then their they way they replicate that in their life is that's what being a warrior is. You got to be strong. You got to be ruthless. You have to be heartless. That's not true because there has to be compassion and heart. And when guys are only doing lethal operations, and I've worked with them, they're of a different. Their, their mission set is different. They're focused completely on that hot side. And when when they're in that war zone, that is what they will do. But when you will find a completely different human being when they come back and they let that go and they unwind. There's a different side to them, which is human. They don't lose it. Those that do lose it don't survive. But on that other side, when you're operating without that full package and you're operating in a way that, You have to give a lot of reliance on your own skills. You find yourself having to walk that narrow path, that center path. You're going to have to give and take. You're going to have to listen a lot. You're going to have to have compassion, and you're going to have to have ferocity. And so as I frame this concept with where I believe the strength of the victory comes in our time, it's not going to come from egos and running hot all the time, to try to be chest thumping, ego driven, whatever you are. And it's equally not going to come from being tearful and emotional. And every time you see something, you break down and it, it's just too hard to handle. The victory comes from that focused place in the center where you can have a heart and shed some tears, but you can turn that off in a half a second if you have to and focus that in on the, the intensity of the moment. And it isn't that you are bipolar by any means. It's that you have the discipline to understand, one, never give up your compassion and never give up your ferocity and the fire of righteousness. And that in all is the fire of righteousness for me. I played this piece earlier today, and I'm gonna play it right here again tonight. And it was a place on, it's a one minute, 34 second piece about a dog that was found in a car. I want you to hear this and we'll talk about it once it's done.
1: Where's the dog at? Talk to it. All right. He was all, uh, with a lot of saliva. Yeah. yeah. And he was he, like laden, like he wasn't able to breathe. Here come to
0: own sir. You the owner of this vehicle? The Mercedes? Yes. All right. Turn around. Turn around. Put your hands behind your back. Palms together. Palms together. Don't on, Don't interlock your fingers. Palms together.
2: You have a Husky inside the vehicle?
1: Any weapons on you, sir?
0: Any ID on you? Mary 23, one in custody.
1: All right. Back to my vehicle. right here. Don't move. Have a seat. I'm going to jail on a felony. Willful endangerment of an animal. You realize how hot it is outside? You have the vehicle off, window's up, and you had
0: tape around your dog's mouth. Tape around the dog's mouth. That individual is a coward by any way you cut it, and he's probably a psychopath on another level. That officer was extremely disciplined in his moment. In another world, in another place, that guy probably wouldn't made it to the back of the car. You see, you see this is the part, again, where the innocence, the understanding... The understanding of protecting the innocents is a very real living thing in a combat zone. And the problem we have here is we've got two, way too many people that don't understand that. And I mean this bluntly. And it is part of a place that in, where we're evolving in this place, the rate at which we're going. is a good example of victimizing innocence to give their egos a boost. And there again, they're just a, a bunch of feckless warriors. <laughs> I shouldn't even say warrior, a bunch of feckless thugs. And they've given, and they're there to incite rage in other people. You can talk to the best of them, and I'm going to tell you what they're going to tell you, like I will tell you now. War is not emotional. In the moments of war. War is sanitary. It's clean it's clean. It's clear and it's mission driven. The emotional things that get guys the most usually are the are the destruction of innocence. The destruction of evil. I don't I've never met anybody that's had a hard time sleeping over that one. I've met a lot of people who have had a hard time sleeping over the destruction of innocence. And that's the unjust part of war, but it's also the very real part of war. We are given gifts and talents in our time to serve God in this fight. And there's still a lot of people that are itching to somehow to have a, get their fingers on a trigger and have a real war. On our domestic soil, they're fools. Bluntly put, they're fools. Because they've never been in war to appreciate what war does our path is one of the most difficult ones to walk when you walk that place of righteous fire. Because you have to keep that level place as Christ walked and you have to keep a level head. You have to keep your compassion in your heart, but it can't go so far that it blinds you to the emotions of the moment. And you have to keep the ferocity of your righteousness, fire burning, but it can't go so far as to light you into anger and hatred. You have to keep a level head. And part of that is taking, making sure that you're anchored in faith and connected to your humanity. And that's part of the imperfection that we are that makes us so perfect. There's a lot of amazing things that are happening right now. And a lot of people are stepping up in the, in the Lord's army to do amazing things. I pray that we don't see a blood fight. This fight should be able to be won with the gifts and talents that people have without having to draw blood on one another. Because at the moment that we do that, we've lost. But let me be very clear. Drawing blood on one another versus taking on evil are not the same thing. There, are, there is a cadre of evil in this world that is true evil. And we don't negotiate with evil, and you have to be clear about that. And you have to be clear about what you see to understand what you're, what you're actually fighting. Part of that is being very clear where God puts each of us, but it's important to keep the balance because righteous fire is an easy path to trip on, in my opinion. And like I said, it can become it can become all hot or all cold all at once, and that's not to me what a true warrior is about. In a Japanese sense of the samurai, a warrior understood how to arrange flowers and write poetry as much as they understood how to draw a sword and cut off somebody's head. The two were equal in their value. So that again is why would you do that? Because in a balance of a person, you can't be all one thing or another. And understanding the, the pace, the timing, the breath, the slowness necessary to do beautiful calligraphy or Japanese characters in the way that they wrote, which was with ink on parchment, and to write poetry, which you didn't get a a rough draft, you just wrote it to be in that state of perfection and then on the flip side to be on that state of perfection of being able to draw the sword faster than somebody else and destroy them. They don't see that one is greater than the other, but both are necessary. And to me, that's at the heart of a true warrior and a true sense of righteous fire. I'm not encouraging anybody to draw a sword and chop on somebody. It's not so we're clear about this. But in the metaphors of war, it's important to understand the balance. And in a time right now when there's a lot of instability and a lot of concern and people are asking about what if we go to war, the answer is God will reveal what you need to do if you're listening. But if you want to charge off and do it yourself, good luck. This right now, everywhere we walk is a trust in God, which means that you have to have nerves of steel and the way that it happens is you put your foot on the, anchor your feet on the rock of faith and you let go of fear and anxiety and then everything is calm. The world becomes very clear. And in that walk, things will reveal themselves as necessary and when we appreciate that and we truly then appreciate the power of the sword of the spirit, we realize how primitive The sword of steel really is. And even then, it doesn't mean take it off your belt. You still have to keep the edge. There is such a thing as evil in this world. And there is pure evil, and it seeks to destroy and hurt and maim. What we need more than anything is courage. Because as we see things in war and in a time like this when there is so much lawlessness there is a tendency to become numb to the events and loss of humanity and caring. That's scriptural. Instead, we need to be very awake to our humanity. We need to be seeking to defend those that are defenseless. We need to be seeking to stand in the face of evil that seeks to destroy them. And we have to have that righteous fire to confront them and at the same time to care for those that can't protect themselves. Let us pray. Father, we come to you tonight just very humbled, very blessed, with an understanding and clarity in our world that continues to evolve each and every day. We are in such a time that so much is being revealed, and we are able to see truly and clearly What was once in darkness is now into light. And we pray for that continued journey to continue to see our enemy. Forgive us and those who follow that path of thinking that they can wage a war or seek a war worse than that amongst your own children when they have yet to even identify who the true enemy is, nor visualize the consequences of what a war is. At the same time, we pray for the many that are walking that path, trying to seek that center line as Christ did to give them strength, Father, to give us all strength, to be able to keep the compassion in our heart and the fires of righteousness to confront the enemy and to never lose the balance that's necessary to win. Let the fires of righteousness burn. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. It's a an amazing and challenging walk to do and rewarding because it's the balance of the full range and full spectrum warrior is a beautiful path. I think martial arts in the Eastern sense trains it very well because there's always a spiritual and philosophical route to everything that is done. Nothing is done. Everything should be done without a vengeful heart. And that's probably the biggest lesson for all. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. Keep your prayers tight, focused on him. He'll guide and reveal. In the end, God will win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. Walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom, mission forward. Patriots, I will see you Sunday night for Fishers of Men. Have a beautiful and wonderful Saturday. Until then, or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now.
2: All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the night's been pushing through. Fight for all we had to lose. Oh, you're an island when the world's too loud. When the seasons change, I know the space between us will stay the same. Resting on this faith, when your soul answers calls far away. from the rain. Yeah.